Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Audio Jungle. Welcome to the Hus Guys Podcast. Oh, yeah. What is up, Husker Nation? We are finishing week three. It's Wednesday, September 20th. Uh, Andrew is back. Uh, Thank goodness. We have been missing him uh, tremendously. Um, and uh, he is back from his little adventure. So you, we are going to do a little uh, Northern Illinois uh, coverage as well as a little preview of Louisiana Tech. But uh, before we get started here, folks, before we dive in, as always, we're going to Say a quick word from our sponsors, uh, kicking things off with Pipeline Jerky, which if you guys are watching on YouTube, uh, Pipeline Jerky was started to c- carry forward the legacy of the Huskers offensive line. Buy some jerky, check it out. We've got beef, we've got pork, we've got all sorts of good stuff. Uh, it's flying off the shelves. We're in 20 grocery stores. Check pipeline-jerky.com. Uh, secondly, huskiesstore.com. That's what uh, Andrew and I started. And our little brother Ray is uh, kicking out a lot of cool new merch. Hats, shirts, all sorts of stuff. Uh, run the list of the year. All sorts of good stuff. Go to huskiesstore.com. Uh, and finally, uh, as we said, each and every episode, one of our proud sponsors, Land and Lore. Uh, look, the team's giving us wrinkles. Uh, they've been giving us wrinkles for decades. And now this year, we're getting wrinkles. We're getting gray hair. We are pulling our hair out. All sorts of stuff. Uh, but the wrinkles, they are definitely there. So we're doing all we can to spread some optimism. But what you can also do is fight back against wrinkles with Land and Lore. Black shirts are fighting. You can fight. Defend against old and run down. Land and Lore has all sorts of products that can help you with this. Everything is from the land. It's natural. And when you try it, you get 10% off using Huskies 10 at checkout. Go to land-lore.com and use Huskies 10 at checkout. So those are our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors for sponsoring. Uh, Andrew's back. And I'm going to jump in right off the deep end here, Andrew, because I've been teeing this up for a while. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Andrew and I did a um, little preseason Huskies podcast, and then Andrew disappeared to Europe and left me by myself yeah. for two weeks, for two of the darkest weeks of the Nebraska football season. So I've just been with me. <laughs> you needed to go through that alone. It was a very big period of growth in your life, and I said, you know, this is the time we cut the training wheels. Some of the darkest darkest times that I've gone through. So, uh, and even going back further, here's, here's what I was thinking about as we grew up. So Andrew and I are brothers clearly grew up in the same household. Uh, and our father used to take these losses extremely hard. And I have taken that yeah. from him now. So I, I very vividly remember in the nineties in Arizona state, when we lost to them, uh, he just called out work for the week and just yeah. laid around, you know, the bathroom for the week. That's what I've been like the first two weeks of the year and you were gone. 
I was getting hammered by Colorado fans. I was getting dragged across the internet. I couldn't yeah. believe how much was happening. And you were sending pictures from Europe. What do you have to say for yourself? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, it's it's hilarious to me that that I get so hyped that I I still it's like I'm going to a funeral on Sunday morning sometimes, like after we lose. Uh, I, like the fact the fact that it almost ruined my Europe trip was, was just, like in the '90s. I mean, like yeah, our dad would just he would like wear black for a week, and it was not for the black shirts. It was it was his funeral attire after we would lose. It was like it was unbelievable. It was it wasn't unthinkable, but. Uh, We've carried that over into our lives, and uh, there I was, going to sound very entitled at a wedding at a uh, in a French chateau in a countryside. Uh, very minimal internet, but trying to stream this Colorado game between three friends' phones and just bouncing back and forth from like the main wedding table to the <laughs> to side tables. Um, yeah, I mean, you do what you got to do to try and follow the game. It sounds like the Colorado one. Uh, we I think we can just uh, breeze right past that one. Uh, and not talk about it and force on focus on Northern Illinois this week. I almost broke him up. I almost said, guys, this can't happen. This, <laughs> it's cursed. Historically bad it's cursed. day in Nebraska history. It's cursed. The team's cursed. We can't continue to watch any more games. It, it's got, I mean, so the games were probably a little bit better. So I, we, we lose here and I just, you know, I laid on the couch for a week, but you at least got to go, you know, and do proper like mental health recovery. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I didn't have Steve Sipple lighting me up or anything on on the internet about just how mortifying these stats were or something. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it was, gosh, uh, it's yeah. I had a nice reprieve waiting for me, but um, there's no doubt I I made sure I let the groom know how bad of a day I was having. It was yeah, it was, it's good. It's important. It's important that everybody shares in your misery. Important that everybody shares in your misery. It's important that you bring everyone else down with you. Uh, that's, that's an important for the first two weeks. So, yeah. So kick things off, you know, we've got, I haven't even seen you since we've lost two games, but, uh, now we've won. So we're back on the positive vibes train, but I just at least had to, uh, yeah, I had to get that off my chest because I've just been withering in, in internet, you know, and because we talk so much trash and you talk more trash than me about Colorado the entire off season, those fans got a hold of all of those tweets and just obliterated us across the internet. I mean, we were like the poster child across every Colorado message board across the internet. I could not believe I mean, the volume of message that, boards were just created. So there's like 30 members and it's the volume the of like DMS and hateful, horrible, horrible things that they were saying to us. I was like, I cannot believe the volume of like DMS and emails and all sorts of stuff that was coming out from those guys. They are truly the worst fans on the planet. They have uh -huh. emerged from like the gutters of society and they're just like crawling out from the shadow realm. And they're like, it's like we've awakened some sort of beast by Colorado being good. It's, it's so been bad. like dormant since the nineties. And they're just these garbage humans on the internet that are oh, like, wow. Oh my God. It just kills me. Cause I, and this is, so we'll, we'll jump, we'll use this as our jumping off point because I actually, you know, I've watched, I've now watched that game twice, which is, you know, cause I enjoy torture. I enjoy feeling like I've been stabbed, but you know, and I couldn't even, I truly couldn't even podcast through it last week. Cause I just couldn't even see straight. I could not believe we lost two in a row that way. And to a new team like that, I just took that one really hard. I take the first couple losses really personally, which when you really think about it, you know, we've lost, what, 16 in the last 21 games. <laughs> like, I don't know why yeah. I'm taking these so personally. Like, but We've I lost uh, 300 of the last 70 games. Yeah, it, it just seems like it's in it's been about. The defense, and this is where we're going to start as we go into Northern Illinois, our defense is freaking awesome. 
Like I love our defense. I get excited to watch them. And we truly did shut down Colorado in the first half. And now if we could just fast forward all the way to the Northern Illinois game, I think we have a real defense. And, and I'll kick this off too with a tweet that kind of went viral a little bit today of I've been tweeting out all sorts of you know stats and I know we're going to run through some of them. But, you know, we're a top 10 rush defense where we just feel great. And, I, you know, I've been tweeting out a bunch of different um, stats that I feel great about, but both how well the rushing defense has been playing and how well it has been going. And a lot of people are responding like, well, we'll just give it time. Wait, you know, wait for middle of the season when it blows up. And my, my first message to everybody is just enjoy this. You know, we have such few moments of joy over the last few years that when you have a string of games like this, where the defense is tackling extremely well and they're playing exciting. And, you know, we had eight sacks against Colorado and three more in the first half against Northern Illinois. I mean, it was 11 sacks over the course of six quarters and they're fast and they're tackling well. We can kick off there and talk about some of the D. I just find it extremely exciting that we have a defense that I think can contend with anybody out there. That, that gives us a shot. Yeah, I mean, so far, um, I, I think, the doubly reassuring thing is that they're trying to build the depth for later in the season. I, I think rule said something pretty interesting during one of the pressers that uh, may or may not have kind of snuck out, but he basically said um, at the midpoint in the season, we're going to kind of figure out the red shirts. And so I think he's basically putting or Tony white and co are putting everybody they want on defense in these first four games uh, or first six games, really. And then they're going to kind of decide, all right, this this is working, this is not. But um, yeah, I was looking at it today. So we're, we're averaging giving up 20 points a game, solid. 1.74 yards a rush, number one in the country. That is, uh, I mean, when was the last time after after not one game, but three games, we were number one in like anything? Anything, I mean, so ever. Let's, let's just, you know, let's take a uh, step back and smile. Uh, 31 players have been credited with a tackle or assisted tackle through uh through three games or sorry 30 players uh technically it's 32 but two of them were offensive players after turnovers okay. well Borker yeah. and sims have credited tackles as well but 30 are uh, defensive players of the 30 that have tackles 14 players are freshmen or sophomores so i think we are uh, building some depth up that's nearly half of the guys with tackles on the season um, but the fact that you have uh, you know three three games 30 different guys are getting in on the action is is a pretty good sign there too um, and even more than that i've gotten playing time uh, seven players are, are averaging four or more tackles uh, per game um, so it's like nice and spread around um, there's not you know one guy vacuuming everything up and then i think the d line is probably like i think the number one concern going into the season was the d line I mean, switching to a three-three-five. Okay, now we're only going, you know, three down linemen. Like, how's this going to look? How's this going to work out? Can the middle of the defense um, hold up? That's probably going to still be the concern going forward. But you know, if you're looking for reassurance, um, Lenhart has two sacks. Van Poppel is a sack. And Gunnarsson, Robinson, Hudmacher, everybody has at least half of a sack there. And I mean, they're all getting to the quarterback and letting the the rest of the team drop back. So. I think we've seen like a pretty good amount of reassurance. We have 21 tackles for loss through three games. Uh, and we had 11 against Colorado. We had 93 total in the entire 2009 season, which was one of the best of all time. So we're on pace to beat that. 
Well, I think in that, I mean, so that 2009, I've actually been, I've sent out a few things about 2009. Um, I, I mean, it's probably exaggerated a little bit because 2009 obviously had Sue and what, four future NFL guys that played for five, 10 years. Um, but the feeling is similar to a 2009 type team. I mean, at least, you know, with the Northern Illinois game, like, you know, the Colorado game got a little out of hand, but Minnesota, even to an extent too, when you had them out there, you just have this feeling. You're like, Oh, like we'll make a stop. You know, you have this, you know, I think you felt the same way in 2009. We're like, they're not going to score. You know, even in this Northern Illinois game, we had the turnover when the second drive, uh, the fumble, and they got the ball in the 10 yard line. And I immediately felt like, Oh, they'll, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to score. Want. And I think, you know, <laughs> Northern Illinois is, you know, we're going to make them punt. Yeah. So they're ten, they have 10 yards to go. They're not going to make it 10 yards. Uh, I think that I haven't had that kind of confidence in anything ever. And, you know, as you even think back to like last year, like this team gave up 700 yards to Georgia Southern This team gave up, you know, multiple 500 plus yard games that we're just getting torched all over the field. So, you know, to see guys running towards the ball, the, just an army of guys coming in and out, making plays, all those guys you mentioned, uh, it just gives you a little bit of reassurance because, you know, and this is probably stuff we'll hit at the end. Colorado is probably going to be the most dynamic offense we face all season. I mean, you're talking about facing, uh, you know, the Purdue's and the, in the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's of the world that are just going to run the ball. And we have a good run defense. So that's like, it's like, holy cow, did we actually finally figure out something that could work in the Big Ten? Yeah, it'll be super interesting to see how we hold up against the O-lines. Like, I, you know, I think these first couple of games, Minnesota had a good O-line and we and we held up pretty well. But obviously later in the season when, you know, you're just playing these battering ram offenses and stuff and going back and we'll see how that ends up going. I, um, I think my math was wrong. We're, we're on pace for 80 something tackles for loss. But um, regardless, we're, that's that's a solid, solid also, number. But all of these, like, I think these are, it's all just these reassuring are... that we're like getting to the quarterback. They're all striking stats the back of like. None, these are stats that we haven't even thought about the last five years, right? Like, yeah, I think, you know, Chenander had us going pretty decently throughout some components of last year, but, you know, Georgia Southern is a disaster. A bunch of those games were a disaster. So the fact that we're talking about, you know, top 10 across so many of these categories and just having this feeling of like this team can can do it. The, the one thing, um, you know, and now I've, I've gone through the podcasting circuit and listened to a bunch of guys that are now in my head, but... Um, Bo Root, yeah, Bo Root on the Nick Bob podcast was kind of talking about how the next level of elevation for this defense is not just to like put you in a position to win the game, but to like win the game. Yeah, and go full Iowa and just, well, yeah, right. It's like the first down. Well, but but forcing turnovers and, and you know that's really what Iowa did last year. Is they had you know they had something like eight pick sixes last year, and they had you know a bunch of like punt return touchdowns, yeah. and so that's what it's like as we you know talk about the offense it's it's something that i think we are going to need it's not going to be enough to do a three and out it's not going to be enough to have you know clearly you can look at colorado it's not enough to have eight sacks and 11 tackles for loss you yeah, need also up through the air yeah they still tore us up and the offense just couldn't score at all so i think there is going to be that element where the pressure is going to continue to go on yeah. on the d of like guys gotta make a play I'm like this, this yeah, is going to be something some room for uh, improvement still out there, definitely. Um, and I think they definitely know that, um, you know, not that it's asking to, like, 
I love that we're sitting here asking for more pick sixes and <laughs> well, I'm asking for what score, score more touchdowns when you don't have the ball. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, no, I mean they're and their opponents are 100% in the red zone, just looking for things where we could improve. Um, you know, you'd like to see maybe a couple uh, more stops there, a couple more forcing them back, things like that. But um, I think they're six for six in total. Uh, or no, I think it's ten for ten actually. Uh, Pass defense. So two terrible passing offenses, Minnesota. I mean, holy cow. The uh, the Greek rifle is just, that is a broken gun uh, that they've got up there. He's not doing as well as I think they were uh, anticipating. They stunk against Carolina. But uh, we are giving less up less than uh, 200 yards passing against uh, Karavi passing offenses, but 3-9 against Colorado is pretty telling. I think they're like, well, I like that we're holding up against the run. I think that is much more tailored for uh, success in the Big Ten. It just concerns me that, you know, Shadur was able to pass for 75. Per- Basically, he either got sacked or nearly threw a touchdown. I mean, yeah. I, I, I guess I just, the, the more distance I have from that game, and like I said, I just basically laid on my couch and stared at the ceiling or laid in a dark room for a week after the game. Yeah. But I said, the more distance I have from it, I, I do actually think he's pretty good. And I, well, yeah. I, I do actually think Dion has, I think Dion has dreamed up like a pretty good offense. Like they, I mean, they were scoring at will against Colorado State and also scoring at will against TCU. So, you know, the fact that we held them basically scoreless for the first half until, you know, we just, Fumble Ruski did the rest of the game. Um, oh know, it's gosh, it's yeah. something. Um, yeah. So speaking, yeah, I think the other go final go thing would just be the the third down D and stuff as well. Um, one other thing I was looking at was just uh, quarterbacks are twenty two for thirty six uh, passing on third down and two for two on fourth down. Yeah. And that is a worse, far worse percentage than our first and second down passing defense. So, and and that's your money down. So, I think if you're going to ask anything from the defense, it's it's that you put the clamps on, on third down, you try and get off the field. This offense, you know, I know we looked pretty solid against the uh, the vaunted Northern Illinois Husky defense, but I, I think they're going to need a couple more chances per game. I mean, we're averaging right around sixty plays a game. It's just, you know. It might be enough in the Big Ten, but you you got to get more chances at more drives. And so I think uh, these opponents are converting a lot of third downs through the air. And that'd be the one thing where we'd hope to uh, see a little bit more success. There's 17 of 20 opponents are 17 of 25 overall when it's third and one to nine yards uh, through the air passing. Don't love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, so we can shift to offense a little bit. Um because this is where this is this is a positive vibes only chat, which is why we've spent the first fifteen to twenty minutes talking about our defense. I mean, uh, listen, I'm scraping for negativities on the defense. Defense scraping, it's great. I like, I enjoy watching them. And then the offense comes great. out, and great. I like honestly feel like I'm gonna like have a heart attack every time they come out there. Because you're like, are we going to fumble? Is it gonna be a pick six? Is this like a total nightmare? Um, but I think so. Here's all the talk this week is obviously Harburg versus um, Sims. I, I, if I were to guess, who do you think starts on on Saturday? Guess is Sims. Yeah, I think so too. I think that where I, I mean, I have my own opinions. I think where the coaching staff lies at this very moment is that 
we have now discovered through three games that we are not a passing team. I think that we are recognizing that we needed people like Betts and IGC. We needed them in the offense to have some game breakers. We also needed a quarterback that can reliably air it out. We don't really have that. Yeah. I don't think Harburg is a much better passer. And I think that they recognize that too. Our quarterbacks are averaging 17 runs a game. And some of them, most are designed, not all, but that I think is telling me that if they're running the ball as much as they are passing, you know, just being logical, we're looking to put a quarterback in that is going to give us the best chance on the ground. I think they probably still view Sims as that guy just based on the fact that he had run it over 15 times a game. My, my thought is that if I were building it, I think I would start Harburg, but I would, but you want, Sims is such a good athlete. You want the ball in his hands. Like I, it's one way or another. And so I would start Harburg. I would bring Sims in as basically a wildcat. Like just give, have his own package, let him run the ball, put him out wide. Like they put Harburg out wide in the first couple of games, get him the ball in space somehow. He might be one of the best athletes on the team, but I don't, I think that the way that Harburg was controlling the offense and not turning it over is like, is my number one hope for him. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, it's so hard. Um, and I think that's where a lot of fans have been, you know, sort of spiraling on this is you have to have an elite quarterback to play well. And I think everyone's like, it's pretty shocking when you watch and you're like, Oh my God, we don't. Right. And you see, you know, what Colorado has done and you see all the top 10 teams have, you know, pretty strong quarterback play. Um, and so that's, I think that's hard. I think you're right. I think they're probably trying to feel it out and feel we're not a passing team. So we don't have very good, you know, passing quarterbacks, which is, you know, what do we do all the season? I can't believe we didn't get one, but um, you know, now it's like, you got to play with what you got. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's sort of an interesting element. Cause I think Sims has a chance to redeem himself. And he's got it in there. And there's plenty of those games that he played at Georgia Tech that he had 300 yards passing and 200 yards rushing. And he put up some crazy numbers. Right. But he was so shockingly bad in those first six quarters. I mean, eight turnovers in the first six quarters. I mean, just shockingly bad. And like those, the turnovers are not just turnovers. He's just dropping snaps. Right. It's like, it's like junior high, like middle school stuff. You're like, it's like St. Margaret Mary's team lines up and it's like, yeah. just catch the He's snap. like on the sideline practice. It's like, just catch the it's snap. Like, it's not even can like someone reach this. Well, it's, it's all, it's like, do we need a snap to the running back to hand it to him? You know, like, does he, like, we can't catch a snap. You're like, you know, a division one athlete in Power Five, Big Ten conference at a major, you should be able to catch a snap or hand off. Right. Yeah. We've had two fumbled handoffs yeah. and, his interceptions are some of the worst interceptions like you've ever seen. So, you know, again, it's like I've, I've you know, listened to podcasts and watching up recaps. It's like, did, did the pressure get to him? It was Colorado just crazy. It was all the hype leading up there too much for him, all this stuff. Maybe he settles down against Louisiana Tech. But, you know, I think it'd be one thing if the mistakes were like, all right, he got hit and fumbled. But it's a whole other thing when he can't even get the center exchange, right? And like, how cursed is Nebraska that? We had Cam Jurgens, what was that last year or two years ago, that's snapping it over people's heads. And now we've got a quarterback that can't catch the oh. snap. And you're like, what is going on? We just just catch 
the snap and hand the ball off. I mean, it's been a decade of of poor quarterback center exchanges. <laughs> it's the most basic thing you could possibly do. It's just wild. Yeah, I uh, I know. God, I get like middle school football flashbacks of uh, of my our coach, Mister Derek, and telling me, "I you better." Sleep with a football in your arms, or you're not stepping foot on the field. Okay, I'm nailed it. Just gonna. Yeah, so I think I mean, there's that element where like I think everybody's hot on Harburg now because you're like, oh, he didn't fumble. You know, he got sacked once and fumbled, which was not you know nearly his fault. And he was a game manager, and he ran the ball extremely well. And he's a homegrown kid. I love the kid. I think it's you know a great story, but he also didn't pass particularly well you know he overthrew tommy hill on a cup you know on a ball like but you know he had a great touchdown pass to fedoni like he's he's got a lot of stuff going on he ran the offense really well and he's got a great head on his shoulders um you know he's not elite at yet but he could be i think he's got a, a great build he's athletic he's built for power running and i think that he may play in to what they're trying to do a little more rule said the other day as well. Like he kind of gave a, a tiny bit of insight. We're trying to basically be a zone running option running team. And I think that like, we haven't really heard them explicitly say that like, we're just kind of diving into the numbers, trying to figure it out, but okay. You see all these quarterback power runs and, and you see some zone read offenses and stuff here and there, and they're trying to figure it out. I, I think that that, is the identity that they're committing to now and you've got two quarterbacks that can do it so like that's the positive side of things is that we should be able to win games and we should be committing to winning games throwing it 20 or less times per game if you're going to get 60 plays i'd probably want to run it 40 except for we no longer have any running backs they're dying there there <laughs> are it's an absolute Dude, massacre out there he got no running backs yeah i i mean being like we definitely empathize with jets fans and just the the complete like you get you get about three plays of happiness um i don't i mean i was trying to like explain to my friends what being a nebraska fan is like and and these days and it's like it's like the nineties you were, you were like on this cruise ship in the sea and like life was just good and relaxed and things were going great. And then like now we're basically still on a cruise ship and we've got this nice facility, but we're just like stuck in a desert that we just like, we got shipwrecked and we're just stuck in this desert. And and we're like, we're like that, we're like that COVID ship that they wouldn't let come back. It's like, this is (laughs) hypothetically great. But I would really like to get back out to sea now, and when we're just we're just out here, and, and it's like hypothetically we've got the build for a great time. But um, no, anyway, I think our our running team. I, I really like Emmett Johnson as a backup. I last year was super super impressed with Anthony Grant. I, he was fantastic. He definitely, I mean, he needs to continue to lower the boom. He, he nearly murdered somebody at the, at Rutgers along the sideline, but he needs to keep doing that up the middle and like see the right holes and stuff. And there's a, there's definitely a reason that he was third string. It does not mean that he doesn't have the ability to be our Belcal running back. Like I still see him now as a 20 runs a game uh, type of player. 
I think that Emmett Johnson can come in and get some good touches. He is, I think, a, a pretty under-recruited guy. He committed to us over like Central Michigan. Uh, you know, not the most vaunted program there, but uh, I think you know he was Mister Minnesota, and he absolutely trounced teams in high school. He had like six thousand all-purpose yards. They would just hand him the ball fifty times a game, and he would just run wild. So um, he's got talent. And, and I think he's earned some touches and stuff. It sounds like it, going back to spring, they really liked him. So yeah, that, uh, here's, here's my hot take time anyways, honestly, this is my hot take, how we immediately rationalize, you know, everything in Husker nation. Yeah. We but, just didn't you know. need those guys. I mean, we, you know, <laughs> were they really that good? <laughs> we didn't need our starting running back. No, I mean, neither. <laughs> we were just setting up Anthony Grant. We were trying to save his legs, but you know, it's fine. That's like the the best part of Husker Nation is it would like even when someone like Dylan Rayola decommits and people are like we never wanted him you're like oh yeah we didn't we didn't want the number That's one right. overall quarterback That's recruit right. in the country I, yeah I got fooled into we, thinking we did want him we didn't need we don't need our starting running backs uh, <laughs> which that makes it I think you know Gabe Urban had a great start to the year I think it's a huge bummer it's obviously a big yeah. miss and and Ramirez just can't catch a break you know I think oh, we we've never utilized him Man. in the right way yeah. and the really? fact that like. You know, it, it's classic Nebraska injury in the sense that it's like it can't just be like two weeks. It's just like, yeah, yeah just career, career ending hit pointer or something that he'll never recover for. And you're like, oh, great. Awesome. Like this poor guy, you know, ACL, everything else. And, you know, Padoni's got two broken ACLs, too. It's like these guys just get like shattered. But I, I, I will say and this is, you know, this is a huge rationalization. So hand up, definitely. And I probably, you know, got this from reading too many comments, but. I, I do think Anthony Grant's probably the only player on offense that has like the ability to take it to the house. He's got like that playmaking ability and he showed it last year of like Gabe Irvin didn't really have that. Like he can run guys over and I actually think he's a great fit for the offense, but he wasn't like he, he wasn't really a threat to break one. Break away, yeah. I think Anthony has that extra playmaking ability that we seemingly don't have on the offense. Like I think Jeff Sims has it when he catches the snap, right? Like it's, you know, he figures out how to be a junior high quarterback and catches yep. the snap. Anthony Grant does. We have no wide receivers that can do it. I think Fedoni could, but you know, my complete rationalization of the whole situation is like, all right, maybe like you're like you're saying, give him 15, 20 carries. And he's at least got that wiggle to like get you a little extra something. So, uh, you know, and, and the whole running back by committee thing, I think is super clunky. Um, I just think that the way that they, you know, every game it's been like seven carries each guy or four carries each guy. I just think that's super clunky. And I think it's hard for a running back to get any flow. So it's, yeah. I don't know. We're well, still cursed, but it's like, you're it's like, maybe back the fullback. If it's time to bring it back, it's time to bring it back. I mean, it's time to bring it back. And so I, yeah, I mean, they've been talking about Bonner in the off season. Maybe this is where you see him get a little bit more involved too. And then leaving Tritt and stuff literally transferred back from Notre Dame to become a fullback at Nebraska. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Absolutely. And so, and he got some, uh, some playing time and he got the ball and stuff. So, you know, maybe they get a little bit more involved. Um, but that's where I, I think you have to essentially bank on a, a two quarterbacks are going to be involved one way or another in the running game. I mean, if, yeah, unless it's just purely Grant and Harburg or Grant and, sims like i just don't really see that happening i see quentin knives maybe sneaking in and getting involved i see emma johnson um getting involved like in just a couple of touches and stuff per game and um give some different looks and get some different experience for those guys but i, I just if you're concerned about that running back depth 
someone's got to run the ball. And yeah. We're going to be a quarterback run team, but I don't think it's going to end up being like a, just a one quarterback, you know, bell cow type thing. Yeah. And I think that's an, I, I've seen a little bit of that chatter and I think that's, it's interesting because there, there was a lot of like Harburg took a lot of heat because he didn't slide basically the whole game. And then he even went into the post-game press conference and it's like, I'm, you know, I'm big, I'm strong, I'm fast. That's like my whole thing. That's my whole thing is that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lower the shoulder. And that's the way I've always played. And I I appreciate that about him. And Uh, I also think it's true of both of them. Nebraska boy born and bred lower. It's also true of Sims and Harburg of like, all right, if neither of you guys are these like protected commodities that can throw, like you're going to run the ball 20 times each or 15 times each or whatever it is, right? Of like, yeah. you got to lower the shoulder. That's like, that's going to be the offense. I, I think that has to be our key. And honestly, the, the other, like in terms of the passing game, I think that there was some uh, like positive takeaways from this last game. I think, I think you started to see Kemp start to separate himself a tiny bit, just as far as like that, that reliable um, slot option. Um, You saw Harvard go to him a few times with his uh, nifty little sidearm slinger there. Um, And then same with Fedoni, like Fedoni's kind of getting more involved. Um, And he is like, that kid is a monster. He's, he's somebody that I watch the games and I, cannot believe that i'm older than him like uh, I, so I, I want to talk about finoni for a second because i love the kid i I've, yeah. you know i've followed him ridiculous we both followed him ridiculously closely all through his uh, you know he's, high school along, he's he's getting way you know he's great four star borderline five star probably should have been a five star coming out and then had obviously the two knee injuries and i think he i mean he can catch all of his catches have been spectacular he can go up and get it he's strong he has strong hands he had that fantastic catch on the sideline from Harbor Glass game, uh, you know, with the toe drag, he had the big one where he went up and got it against, uh, it was at Colorado at the end of the game. And then the touchdown catch were fantastic. So I, I like him. I think he's got that it factor. I think he can take it to the house. I think he can get open. I think he can block. Um, so I'm a big fan. And I think we've got to get him. You know, I think he's going to be a key component of the offense the whole year. It would be nice to get Eric Gilbert in there. <laughs> he's just, I just get, I can't say like half these names without like laughing. Like what? I mean, that dude is about to we be the missed star. on him. We missed on him. That's okay. I mean, you guys, like you just got you got arrested again, which you know, not a laughing matter, but sort of a laughing matter. Like more in the broader context of Nebraska being cursed, it's like, what? How do we? You know, finally got a Georgia yeah. transfer. To no, the I, elite. I mean, it's like um, okay, we brought in the number one tight end prospect maybe in the history of the world, and yeah, um, and he's well, he's, he's twice he enjoys he enjoys time. vaping. He enjoys vaping. So he you know. loves it. He's yeah. so passionate about it. Yeah, I would say it's it makes you laugh because there's the um. That one in in the broader context of like thinking very, about how, how much can happen to your life in a twenty day span of like very sad not not just him but like all fans of like you know I've got friends who are Chicago Bears fans who are full on panic mode and in a, in a fifteen day span you can go from like <laughs> yes things are going to be amazing to just everything in your life is is the worst it's ever been yeah. and and no, nothing else does that to your life than the annual cycle of sports of like football season of like. You know, just absolute catat. Like Mel Tucker, who just, you know, guy went oh. from making $90 million to zero oh in, a, in, a, in a 14-day span. Nebraska went from winning the national championship to nothing no. in a 14-day span. What are we are really done. So we just got nothing. Nothing can ruin your life more than just a 14-day span of <laughs> football. Or anyway. make it. Or make your life. That's make that. it. Dion. Yeah, look at him. He's like he's a god among men. Uh, here, here's the topic I actually wanted to cover because I think this is interesting and I want to get your perspective on this. 
because I've been thinking a lot about this with Fedoni. So Fedoni got a lot of um, a lot of people like really zoomed in. He shushed the crowd, right? And he's at Memorial Stadium. So people are like, why is he shushing the crowd? <laughs> at his own. At, at, it was funny. Well, sorry. Like, and then in the post game, he basically it was an said, ironic celebration. Yeah. Well, but in the post game celebration, or in the post game conference, press conference, um, you know, they're like, hey, why did you shush the crowd? He's like, the people that know know. And then in the in the depths of the internet, it sounds like there were a couple like radio guys who had said he's not gonna come back, or he's like he's never gonna live up to the hype type thing. Um, oh. So you need he, to tell us before who he's gonna shush. <laughs> so that was so I was going deep. I mean, I see everyone else was like, oh, I guess we'll be quiet. Yeah. So I think it was one like one of them was I think Josh Peterson. That's his name, like Josh Tweederson. Like so here's is that his name, Josh. Peterson. Yeah, Peterson. So one of them was Peterson. Peterson. Yeah, it's his like Twitter handle. Anyway, so I, I guess my like I, I had I had I went two directions with this of like one, um I I appreciate I like him I like I love the kid and I think he's got the right demeanor and I think like elite athletes the Michael Jordans the Kobe's of the world they find motivation from haters anywhere, yeah, and they channel that into being successful. I mean, we keep talking about Dion, but Dion did that against us. He made up quotes from Matt Rule and used it as team, you know, as motivation to inspire their team to victory by saying it's personal and all this stuff. And we're like, we didn't even say any of those things. Like he said none of those things. Like, what are you even talking? He just made that up. But like I, I I think that to me is like he found one, literally one like hater who's like not even a real like it's not like Chappelle. It's not like a you know a mainstream guy. It's like some like radio guy that said nothing. And he used that as motivation to like drive through all of his knee surgeries and stuff. So part of me is like, that's great. I like that he has using that in the right productive manner. But the other part of me is like, if you can't handle like a random radio guy, his opinion, you might not well, last I, very long. It's handled now. I mean, well, now it's handled. He got shushed. <laughs> so that's, that's over. I, yeah, I just, I don't know, what do you think, like, uh, like, I like it on the one hand, I'm like, good, he uses that as motivation, but I'm also like, if you can't handle, like, that's the tiniest bit of criticism ever, like, if you go to the NFL, you're gonna get, like, you're gonna, you're never, you're gonna make it through training camp. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm all about it, because I, I think, like I said, like, everybody's gotta have their own, like, individual bulletin board material type thing, and also, it was just such an unexpected celebration that I, that I was, like, <laughs> I was loving it. I was like, oh yeah, like shush everybody in that building. Or yeah. wait, no, don't. I mean, there are ninety thousand Huskers that was too, you play. It was so unexpected that I that I, I really appreciated it. Um, no, I, I. But he honestly, my God, he's been playing so well, uh, man possessed in like the last two weeks. Um, you know, the first game, I think people were expecting a little bit more. Second game, he he uh, he took the opportunity to rip. Travis Hunter, a new one, a few times. That was pretty yeah. nice to see. He just absolutely took his massive man muscles and threw him to the ground like a little boy. And then it's this last game, he's, he scored two times in a row now too, and and he's shushing the whole world. And and all of his three haters are you won't hear from them anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> I know, that's what's funny is I'm like this whole fan base loves you and like is cheering for you and stuff. It's like maybe I don't know. There's like one guy out there. But I, that, I think that's what it takes oftentimes for like elite athletes is like 
nobody doubted Jordan, but he would find like random strangers on the street that would like yeah. doubt him. And he would just be like, I'm going to prove that guy wrong. It's like, who's that? Who's you didn't know that guy's not even a real person. Sort of tight. Um, yeah. So I was, I was loving that. Uh, I thought that was good stuff. Um, the, yeah. So I guess the, the overall sentiment on, you know, the offense is because I, I think that the Northern Illinois game was a little deceptive. It was encouraging in a lot of ways because yeah. you score on the first drive, which is outstanding. Right. And that's like, oh, yeah. that was also like the frost special. It's like you score on the first drive and then you like cave. Cause then after that, we went fumble, punt, 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 touchdown, punt, punt, punt. God, that is, that is such a Big Ten scoreline. Yeah. And so that it was a weird game in the sense that, you know, it was that, you know, touchdown, beautiful fumble on the you know the second play of that drive, and then three and out, followed by a three and out, followed by a nine and out, followed by, yeah. you know, and so, and the offense was just clunky at that whole time. Then, then those final three possessions, it all came together, and I think that's what gives you like the positive vibes, and why everyone's like, oh yeah, Harper's a guy, Harper's a guy, Harper's a guy, because those last three drives were great, and then you're like, oh yeah, we wore him down all game, and you're like, we kind of didn't really wear him down because they were three and out the whole time. Um, but at the same time, you know, at least it's there, there's something in there and you see like at least a little spark of life. That's like, okay, they yeah. can put a drive together. You've got, you know, Fedoni can do things. I, I like Kemp a lot when you get him in space, just yeah. he's so freaking small. It's like, <laughs> like throwing to Wandale. You're like, he's, he's so tiny. So he's, yeah. you know, there's a couple of good plays for Zana that game. A couple, you know, we ran really well. But yeah, three weird game. The key to success ultimately for the offense to succeed starting this weekend, I think that that we have we have now more so committed. You know, Satterfield rule. Everybody's. I, I think we're all on the same page now that we need to be a a, a zone read or a zone option, power football running team. Our passing needs to complement it. In the passing, we basically have three guys that really need to be dudes, and that's going to be Fedoni, Washington, and Kemp, and our quarterbacks need to, to be able to get it to them. Everybody else is kind of going to be supporting roles. Uh, I think, I mean, I think you're going to see Mal Coleman start to, you know, gain some playing time. I think you're going to see some, um, you know, Doss maybe even, like younger players are going to have to start to step up, especially as injuries start to mount and things like that. But, but those are your guys. And Harburg and Sims are basically going to have to put a lot of the rushing on their shoulders, but they're going to have to get them the ball, and they're going to have to recognize that those are the dudes. Forkerchers, you know, he's great too and stuff in backup. Um, I'm probably not thinking of somebody else at this time, but those are your those are your guys. And Anthony Grant, I think, can be your bell cow. Sims and Harburg, we already know they can run it. You're probably going to need to involve more fullbacks, and then you're probably going to need to involve some young running backs. The O-line, uh, the depth chart this week, too. I mean, I thought it was interesting that they're going with a pretty similar lineup uh, as last week in that Praz because just not really cracking the starting lineup. Like, he's at least listed as the backup to Corker and at left tackle. Yeah. But I think they just like what Piper brought to the table. And after he, I mean. He obliterated that guy. He obliterated that guy. We sent him to another dimension. It's great. And I think they just like what what he's bringing to the table um, in the like power running game and his kind of ability to get out and stuff. Um, and Pro Prohaska is great. 
and I was, it's just surprising, but I think they might've found a little bit something and I think they're committing to this running game. So um, based on the amount of runs and the amount of passes and stuff that we've seen so far, I, I think you're going to continue to see a similar ratio. Like I don't see too much of a reason why we would go away from that. Yeah. And the final thing I would just say is that like, you know, Harburg, uh, I think he played a great game. I think he's a, a little bit of a better game manager. I think that's probably what, in my head gives him a little bit of an edge he's the biggest thing that we still need to work on though is he did miss some open throws he's not an elite passer but i think he just manages the game better and that's going to ultimately be the key to our success is if we just if we keep the ball if we don't turn it over if we rush it well even if we only get 60 plays we'll win a lot of games because i think we're going to hold most of these big 10 offenses to 20 points or less. I think, if, you know, if we're playing as well as we have been. Well, let's talk about winning some games because that's what, I mean, that is the only thing that could pull me out of these. That's, that's what we do. The only thing, only thing that could pull me out of these dark depressions when we start 0 and 2, when I predicted we'd be, I think I predicted we lost. Yeah. I predicted we'd lose to Minnesota. That one still like felt terrible because we completely just, Pissed on her leg on that one. Yeah, well, what's funny about that for you was that you predicted we'd lose, and then but then we won, and then we lost. <laughs> you went into a complete tailspin emotionally. Well, because we won, <laughs> we won the game, and we were winning, and then we I lost. I was on a transatlantic flight, like watching that, and boy, did I make sure to keep my neighbors up on that. I mean, we we're because we we're, you know, we we're winning and it was completely over and all we had to do is kneel it out and yeah. fumble. Like we lost yeah. in regulation. That's how it was so insane about that is they scored. Yeah. They scored twice in the last four minutes to beat us in regulation in a game. That all we yeah. had to do was kneel it out. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was the most shocking finish ever. But we're back to positive vibes. So Moving here's some winning, winning games. The thing that keeps me going yeah. constantly yes. is how freaking bad the big tennis it's so i mean it is so delicious and the only thing that gets me going the west not the east the the west West, correct (laughs) yeah yeah. the only thing that gets me going is i turn off our game and i you know it's whatever if you lose a colorado and you turn it on and you're like oh my god illinois lost northwestern lost purdue lost mel tucker just got fired yeah Maryland's Wisconsin is is already the divide has already started there's only one team that's one to know in the big 10 uh, West, it's Minnesota. It should be us, which is three that are already three that are zero and one. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. So everyone's lost in the Big Twenty. This is what I predicted it's from the beginning: is like by the end of this thing, that a four-loss team is going to win the West. It's going to be a melee. Yeah, a four-loss team is going to win the West, which just like like last year, you know, Purdue won with three losses and four losses overall. So it's going to be absolutely shocking. And so that's what's like you have to. We have to beat Louisiana Tech. I don't. Even, it's not even worth like talking about, but. You know, we're favored by, what did I see, like, were we up by 18 or something? We have a pretty strong, you know, their game there. Nobody expects us to beat Michigan, but you get past that. Illinois. Sure. Who, what, barely beat Toledo and then got massacred by Kansas. They're one and two. They beat Toledo by two. Massacred by Kansas. Yeah. You know, I'm going to just stop you right there, which is exciting for our offense. Their defense is the worst in the Big Ten right now. They're Perfect. giving up 446 yards per game. That's the that's the worst in the Big Ten. So I, I don't know if they were flashing the pan last year or what happened there, but like, okay, so they're one and two. They are struggling like crazy. Northwestern yeah. is a complete mess. You know, that's who you play after that. They've, you know, they've won a game, but they're one and two. And 
Um, still don't feel confident about them. Purdue's completely falling off the map. Now the bronze gone, completely falling apart. They got uh, massacred by by Syracuse. Syracuse, yeah. Fresno State beat them too, right? And nope, Fresno State beat them. They beat Virginia um, Tech, who is 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 you know they've kind of fallen from graces in the college football world. They are uh, VTech. Yeah, they're, they're but, right so Purdue's one and two. Michigan State, yeah. Mel Tucker gone. Mel, what gone. are we doing? Gone. Dude, I I honestly that is the most shocking. And that team, I think, it's tough to not tailspin after that happens. They're like, you lost your head coach. Just the the mental toll that it takes to think about your your coach fondling himself on a phone call with <laughs> with a sexual assault like speaker, like inspirational, like she rose from the ashes of her, just like of being of being things that happened to her by football players by football players. Like Mel Tucker, and then he's like touching himself. He, he what, like listening to her talk about her just struggles with mental health, and like, and like, what do you? How oh, did this even happen? I think it's one of the. It, let's never really say it was like the the beauty of like it always stinks when it happens to your team, but like the beauty of sports is it's like these have gotten you sports have gotten, make that up. It, it's has gotten so big so fast that these guys who have like risen to positions of power and are making all this money as head coaches these aren't like you know the doctors and lawyers of society (laughs) these are guys you know these are guys with like high school educations who have just been you know banging heads for their whole lives and are just like you know locker room guys and they just like they seemingly operate outside of like the confines of society and then when you're like, hey, you probably should not do that to a woman that survived a dozen you know, sexual assault incidences across your life and, and, and yeah, came to like, your school to talk about it. Yeah, or like, you know, it's like Fitzgerald. It's like, hey, you know, your players shouldn't be doing that in the locker room. It's like, it's, what? It's just what? Just and he like they brought her in to speak to the team about sexual assault. About that. <laughs> about what he did to her. Here's a random funny part about that. <laughs> we move on as I was, as I, it, the story was that it was non-consensual phone sex. Like that's what it said in the, in the story. That's in the word for word, non-consensual phone sex. And my, S-E-C-X, if you will, mom listens to this. Thanks. Yeah. S E. Yeah. <laughs> Intercourse, but over the phone. And, <laughs> and she, somehow, I mean, initially, my brain is like, okay, how how does that work, right? Like, how does one get into a scenario where it's – and so my friends are like, well, maybe he, you know, texted some pictures that she didn't want. I was like, oh, okay, that would make sense. What doesn't make sense is that he is somehow <laughs> getting aroused by her, and she is – just having a conversation. She's like, go away. She's like, go away. What are you doing? Like, what's happening? Why are you? Why are you? I mean, well, thank you. So he lost, he, he lost, he lost like ninety million dollars by Washington, and then like I said, the players, I think, are just like, who? What? Yeah. Everything I have known is a lie, and and who? Well, that, I mean, his entire roster is built on transfers anymore. and like random people who are like even on the roster itself. So. I yeah. think they're going to be in shambles, which is like the same with Northwestern. You're, you're losing the rudder of the ship, you know? Like, so it's, I mean, you, so again, you come back, you look at the rest of this, and Illinois has like the strongest coach in Bielema, but they're like falling apart. 
Northwestern is interim head coach. Purdue lost Brom. Michigan yep. State, that's three in a row. Yeah. With fired or gone head coaches. That's like if we can just if rule can just like stabilize this thing a little bit, yeah, which is why literally with a game manager like Harburg, you can win those three games yeah. by just not being the bigger dumpster fire. That's yeah. it. Like That's if true. you can just be like this sort of the you know the four loss dumpster fire of the Big Ten, you win the West. <laughs> That's yeah, the I bar mean, is so low. Iowa, I guess, is gonna. It's a, probably still Iowa and Wisconsin in our. Wisconsin's not good. If you were struggling with Georgia Southern, you know, all good programs struggle with Georgia Southern. We know that. I mean, but, but they, yeah, they lost to Washington State. But they they lost to Washington State, who's a pretty much middle of the road, six and six, you know, maybe seven and five team. Um, Iowa, they're going to lose to Penn State, but I think honestly, by attrition, they just have the worst schedule left. Like, yeah, but they they also like, they, haven't, they haven't fixed their offensive stuff. I mean, it, it, yeah. yeah, I always got probably the best route of all these, but I, I'm encouraged by the fact that. Just even focusing on our road of like our path to a bowl game, our path to winning some games, like our yeah. path. This is will be, and it's, it's what continually kills me about this team is every time you look at it, like next year, you're going to play probably Ohio State, Michigan, USC, and Oregon. This year, we are playing a a bad Illinois team, a head coachless yeah. Northwestern team, a head coachless Purdue team, and a head coachless Michigan State. It's well, like this is to make a bowl game. This isn't Lincoln Riley. This isn't Oregon coming to town in a top ten fashion. This is you gotta beat a head coachless Michigan State. You just yeah. do. That's you just have to win that game. Northwestern. I mean, God, just another another team that is just struggling with with uh it's just meatheads. It's just meatheads doing meatheads. <laughs> it's meatheads doing meathead stuff. Things that are going to get me arrested, but there's too much touching happening in the Big Ten and Northwestern. Yeah, it's, it's just there's so just, much stuff going on. Maryland is also not good. I mean, all of this. I don't know. So that's what's that's the stuff that gets me. Like, you think about all the stuff we talked about at the beginning. If you're a good run defense and you're going up against Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin. All, those are all running teams, running first teams. If you stop them and you put them in uncomfortable positions, you at least keep it low scoring. And then hopefully you can manage your way to something. I mean, God, it just freaking kills me that we don't have like one Trey Palmer. I mean, they keep trying to turn Tommy Hill into Trey Palmer, and he, he's 0 for 5 long balls this he's year. Open, but he is open. Yeah, it just hasn't. I don't know what the deal is. I'm just connecting, but quite connected. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. That's it's like yeah, the stuff that yeah. gives me hope when I yeah. pull myself out of my stupor is like, gosh, yeah, I, yeah, we, we can win besides, besides Michigan. Besides Michigan, every game the rest of the year will be like a Vegas line within a touchdown. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I would say maybe, so. maybe I was favored by 10. Yeah. Every other game is going to be within a touchdown. Yeah, and that um, comes down to the curse of Nebraska. And yeah, can we ever win? I like I just randomly was looking at today. I mean, random other stat package for you. No team in the Big Ten West has an offense inside the top five in scoring. I think Wisconsin's like tied for fifth. Okay. Top ten in the country or top ten in the conference? in the Big Ten? In the Big, oh, in the yeah, Big Ten. no chance, no chance, right. none, well, none. Yeah, because Ohio single, State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are going to be top three. Single, yeah. Uh, yeah. Five of, but this is kind of the surprising thing. Five of the bottom six in the Big Ten are from the Big Ten West in total of defense. Course. So the defenses, I mean, five of the bottom six. Um, six of the bottom seven in sacks allowed. All six of us are in the bottom 
seven in sacks allowed. So, I mean, you're just looking at offenses, I think, that are struggling, defenses that are kind of surprisingly struggling, um, including teams, you know, like Wisconsin, Iowa. Obviously, there's a little bit of sample size, you know, issues and stuff like that. It's only been three games, but it's just kind of, uh, you know, through the first month in non-conference season before you get into it. I think you would have expected maybe a, maybe a little bit better, but maybe it's good for us. So who cares? You want to wrap it up with a little swag? Yeah, I was kind of deciding this was a, a thing we used to do back in the uh, back in the blogging days, which hopefully we've uh, deleted before we get canceled or arrested <laughs> or something. <laughs> I shouldn't direct oh, those are some. Those are plus some OG. Okay, don't find me. Uh, the swag player of the week was basically a, a weekly award given out to the player that flashed the most swagger, player that did some the most ridiculous thing, the most. Uh, kind of flexing on them type scenario. Um, there was one week, like, for example, Kenny Bell jumped over a fence and then waved on the crowd and stuff after he caught a ball. It was like one of the swag plays of the decade that went very underrated. Just an example. I think I have to go back to Fedoni. I I was so taken aback by the shushing. The crowd. It was the most <laughs> expected and surprising shushing of the crowd. But in addition, I mean, he was he was flexing on players he was demolishing people blocking downfield and just like the pride that he takes in the in the position and it's kind of a two-week award here just because i didn't get to give one last week um Two but after uh, yeah after what he did against you know it's not necessarily the game's mvps but he he is somebody that's just been like rising to the occasion and then he's got the celebration to kind of go with it and just <laughs> even I don't think he wants us to be quiet. <laughs> the haters. He wants the haters to be quiet. Just the haters. So, the, the, again, whatever four or five of you are out there, you are no longer permitted to talk the rest of the season. And uh, that's who I'm going with. All I, I will mention would have been Ethan Piper just for taking <laughs> just obliterating that guy ESPN by storm and getting out there and being the pancake man. Love it. All right. What do you think the uh, – what's your score prediction for this weekend? Yeah, so, the, I mean, Louisiana Tech, I, the, uh, the, I guess we probably could have uh, previewed them a little more. We do have a game no, coming up. It doesn't, but... matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're going to win. I don't think they're uh, – I, I think we're going to – I actually think we take care of business. I feel significantly more encouraged coming out of Northern Illinois that we have the ability to take care of business. Like, I, I feel irrationally confident in our defense that – We'll stop them. We'll keep them. We'll keep them. I, I think it'll be a similar type score. My my prediction is something similar to Northern Illinois, like a thirty-five to ten. Yeah, I think the um, the reason they may cover their offense is not bad. They're they're a, they're a pretty strong passing team. We saw what Colorado was kind of able to eventually do to us. They're averaging thirty-one points a game. Um, they're rushing at 5.1 yards per game or uh, per attempt. I mean, uh, their, uh, their offense is at 6.1 yards per play. Their passer rating is 138. They've already passed for 900 yards through three games. So, um, you know, they've got a decent uh, passing team. Um, their quarterback is uh, Hank Bachmeyer. Hank Bachmeyer. Don't know too much about him. 
Um, but he's sitting at uh, uh, 189 yards a game. He throws at like 66%. So I think that the uh, the D-backs are going to be tested a little bit. I think they like to sling it around. I I didn't look into it, but uh, Decoldis Crawford is down there somewhere. So big time, hurt. big time revenge game. Oh, so yeah. Nah, I, I looked him up because he he's in a single catch. I was like, what is going on? Like, I, 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 it bothers the heck out of me that these guys like transfer and then don't play, especially when you could like, we can use them. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, you think about our roster, it could be like the coldest plus Xavier Betts plus Eric Gilbert. It's like those guys would be nice. <laughs> and then like he's down there just not playing, uh, but I think he got hurt. I was wondering why I recognized Hank Bachmeyer's name. He uh, he was Boise State's quarterback oh, there you in, go. 20, in 2022. Classic. Every single starting quarterback in the league is from a different hey, school. Do you want to talk about how bad Rocky Lombardi was? Like that guy was like, oh, mama. Some of the worst power he's five quarterbacks ever seen. He's got to be a collective. Like he's completed 20 passes for <laughs> a just... thousand in two games against us. He was 15 it's... for 41 in 2018 with Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, he was bad then. He's bad. He's worse now. Like he was yeah, he so bad. Not at a revenge game six years later. <laughs> he was so bad. He just he couldn't do anything. I just was shocked how bad he was. But yeah, for being a Michigan 100. State kid that was really highly touted at a high school. I mean, it was seven years ago. So it's like you know he should be a doctor doing something else. But he was bad. I don't know. I, I'm not worried about these guys at all. I'm sure theoretically we should be, but um, yeah, is is very suspect. Yeah. I just feel irrationally, irrationally strong that our defense will be able to be up to task for this one. I just, I really love the way that, like, I just think, you know, Hendrick tackles well. I think Reimer tackles well. I think the line tackles well. Like, you know, that that stuff allows for not giving up massive plays, like Georgia Southern type things, where you just have complete like breakdowns. We just, I just haven't seen that besides, you know, a handful of those plays against Colorado. So yeah. I'm, I'm irrationally confident in that regard. Uh, I think the boys win 35-10. Um, I feel the, good. The, uh, uh, I'm thinking a big win, too. They've had a very bad schedule so far. Um, they have uh, uh, they played Florida International, Southern Methodist, Northwestern State, North Texas. We're playing Louisiana Tech, right? <laughs> Just making sure. What did you think it was, Louisiana State? I think, I think you would know if it was Louisiana State. I'm kidding. Um, I was just surprised to see this, uh, you know, this bad of a schedule and stuff. Um, but anyway, they, uh, in each of those games, one of the things that, uh, is encouraging me is against these no name schools. They're giving up a lot of yards on the ground. Um, 178, 209, 185, 249. Everybody's averaging run the ball over five, uh, two touchdowns rushing per game, except for against Southern Methodist only had one, but. Um, that is, uh, this should be a game that we exert our will and don't mess around. I like both Sims and Harburg to play. I like Purdy to get in there a little bit as well. And I like our young backs to, to well, this is kind of a, uh, let's see what you got type game. It'd be fun to see. Yeah. It'd be fun to see Emma Johnson play, play yeah. well. That'd be cool. Yeah. And I think the quarterback that starts this game is going to end up starting against, uh, Michigan. I just think that this is going to be yeah. kind of a, yeah, this wouldn't be like a, hey, let's see how you do this week and let's see how you do next week. I think if this is a, if we've found it with Harburg and if we're going with Harburg this game, I think we're going with him against Michigan. And so that's why this game, I think, is a big time tune up. Yeah. Big time, uh, time to sharpen the blades and, uh, and get ready to roll in Big Ten play. All right. That wraps things up here with the Husk Guys podcast. Thanks everybody for listening.
Huskers. Let's make it happen this weekend. Yep. We'll see you guys next week. We're recording uh, next week, Tuesday. Hopefully recording after a win and covering up on uh, Michigan pregame schedule. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And go Big Red. JBR.